Good morning. Take out your Bibles if you have one. Hopefully you do. Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. And you're like, wow, that's going to be awesome. We're just, I'm just uh, thankful that um, I had the opportunity to um, uh, be here today. Um, a lot of changes has hap- have happened in my life um, over the last couple of months. Um, I left um, a ministry position at First Baptist Springfield um, to be um, a campus missionary at the Baptist Student Union at Missouri State. So I'm, I'm representing my colors, so go Bears. Um, and so um, just would like to thank you guys as uh, part of our association, you know, part of those funds and, and just as, as we go and we uh, make contact with churches, we're just thankful that um, there's over 40,000 college students in the Springfield area. Over 40,000 college students are, are here, and uh, we are just trying to reach those, those students for Christ. And, um, and everything you can do uh, to partner with us, uh, we are just, we're just really thankful for our, for our churches that help and partner with us. And so, um, Russell and I have been friends for a long time. Um, I uh, served on staff at Forest Park, Carthage, um, in starting, I think, in 2008. And so that's when Russell and I met. Uh, we were in a pastor's group on Monday. Um, it's, 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 it's really kind of a ministry recovery group on Mondays. So we're all, yeah, anyway. Um, you guys have fried preacher, and we have fried um, breakfast on Monday for church, right, Dan? And so um, we were in a, a, a group together. And then um, God brought... Obviously, God brought um, Russell here, back here to Bass Chapel. And then um, we were actually in South Florida. I was a pastor of First Baptist Bell Glade, Florida. And um, we came back here to help with my, um, my father-in-law's Alzheimer's. He was, uh, he was in heart failure and all kinds of stuff. And, and uh, being 25 hours away from, from Dad, um, my wife was like, we need to get home. So we came home uh, and... Uh, in that process, uh, we have continued our weekly kind of um, uh, meeting, and also David Jackson at the at the uh, at Grand Oak Mission. He's one of our guys, and so um, I'm glad that I actually am not on staff on a Sunday morning, uh, where I can come and 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 pull up supply for you, for him. So um, the weather outside is awesome. It's better, it's, 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 you don't want to be here. There's out-of-date magazines, there's horrible coffee, there's uncomfortable chairs. And many of you have been finding yourself in a waiting room, right? Many of you have been finding yourself in the waiting room, but it's a different kind of waiting room than just simply at the auto shop or in a doctor's office or a dental, dental office. I want to read something from uh, Megan Hyatt Miller. She said, truthfully, everything about waiting and not knowing goes against my nature. I am a doer. I am great at making things happen. So what's a girl to do who is, in char- who is charged with waiting? Dare I say patiently. As Tom Petty says, the waiting is the hardest part. True to his redemptive nature, I am beginning to think that God is up to something in the waiting. I'm beginning to think that God is up to something in the waiting. There is more purpose in it 
than we know. Waiting becomes a sort of spiritual boot camp preparing us for the kingdom work of radical hospitality. As my friend Katie reminded me the other day, adoption isn't natural, it's the gospel. So what are some examples of waiting? Things that you might be in a waiting room. It might be a career transition waiting room. It might be real estate. You may be waiting for a house to sell or to sell a house or to buy a house. It may be the economy. It may be a spouse, a husband or a wife. Maybe the baby waiting room. It may be with infertility. Maybe waiting for your teenagers to start acting like an adult. <laughs> or you're an adult child to stop acting like a teenager. Maybe there's a health waiting room. Literally and figuratively. Um, maybe you're a Cubs fan. I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> 1908. 1908 was there, you know, was that, that, was, that was, they were waiting for that long. To put that in perspective, Babe Ruth's rookie season was 1914. We're talking about a long time people waited. You have a job, but you don't seem to have any purpose. There's some sort of a restlessness in your life. Story after story after story. Person after person. If you're not right there now, you will eventually be in the waiting room. It's a part of life. It's a part of life. And the question always rises, when do we get out of here? When can I get out of here? There seems to be a purposelessness in waiting. There seems to be this purposelessness. And one of the things we all do while we're waiting is what? We begin to ask questions. We begin to ask questions. We, we say, well, maybe I should consider a new career. Maybe I should go back to school. Maybe I should send that resume after all. Maybe we should seek infertility treatments. Maybe I should ask him or her out. As we ask these questions, anger and resentment begins to come. And what we often find is it's not towards others who have it good, but the anger and the resentment is toward God. It's toward God. I think God has forgotten me. God has overlooked me. God is paying more attention to others than you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've given up on God because you've tried that once. The problem is that you feel so all alone and wonder if God is even there while you're waiting. If this resonates with you at all, if you're in a season of waiting, I have great news for you this morning. There's a perspective from the Bible that will help us to lean in and to trust God in your time of waiting. Today we're going to look at several examples of people who were in the waiting room of life and I want us to look at what are some things we can do while we are waiting. Because if you don't have a game plan for the waiting room, you're going to be in trouble. So look at, at Numbers chapter 11. You guys probably know this story. Um, the, Israel, the Israelites are now in the middle of nowhere in the desert. If you look even to modern day Google Earth, and you look at this, um, this part of uh, the Fertile Crescent, they call it, right? 
and you will see that there's green here and green here and then brown. And that's where they were. And remember the story of Moses and the Exodus. It is in the book of Exodus. It's also made famous and is shown on Thanksgiving weekends each year with Charlton Heston as Moses and the Ten Commandments. Or if you have little kiddos or maybe you were younger like mine, uh, you might have their story in animated form. It was called The Prince of Egypt. But either way, the gist of the story is, and you guys know this, that the Israelites were exiled to Egypt as slaves, which isn't all bad, as we'll hear in a moment, because they lived in the most fertile part of the Fertile Crescent when they were slaves. However, that wasn't the place where God wanted them to be. He wanted them to be in Canaan, or the Promised Land. So God called Moses to come and lead the people out of Egypt to the Promised Land. And they were in the middle of a very long process. The first part of the process was amazing, right? God freed the people from their slavery. He parted the Red Sea and provided daily for them in the desert with this stuff called manna, which literally in Hebrew means, what is it? What is it? Every day. But as you will see here, if you look at the Google Earth image, they were really stuck in a waiting room. They were in between two great green lands. They were stuck wandering around in the desert waiting for the Lord to lead them out. And as we read these passages, keep in mind all of the amazing things that God has done to bring them out. But just like our own lives, our attitudes change we're in the, when we're in the waiting room. So things that are present in the waiting room. Number one, complaint. Complaint. Look at verses four, uh, 4 through 6. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Said in a whiny voice, probably, right? Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. Nice job. That cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this, what is it, to look at. Isn't that the way it is? I mean, when we sit down in the waiting room, we begin to think about how good things must be somewhere else, right? Or back in the day, or when we had that other car. Cavities. Cavities, because my city water where I grew up didn't have fluoride in the water system, right? Then, of course... Misery loves company, and we begin to swap war stories depending on what waiting room we're in, right? And so, and so we begin trading those. We hate doctors, we hate car repair places, and on and on and on it goes. And it makes no rational sense, but we feel better after what? After our complaints. Look at verse 10. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, Everyone at the door of his tent 
and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. And Moses joins in in a whiny voice as well. Look at verse 11. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? How did I get on your bad side, right? What did I do to deserve this? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers? But it is different when it's your life you're talking about, isn't it? It's different when, it, when we're talking about me. Some of you are carrying around a ton of problems and they are beginning to weigh you down just like they weighed down Moses. So the first thing that's in a waiting room, and we all know this, the first thing is complaint. The second thing is this, emotional meltdown. Emotional meltdown. Look at verse uh, 13. Where am I going to get meat to give all these people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. Notice the, all the alls in this passage. Have you noticed all the alls? He's at the end of his rope, and then he brings the topper to the Lord, and he really thinks he gets him a zinger. Verse 15, if you will treat me like this, then kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. Okay, God, just kill me. I am done. I am done. Whose voice besides Moses do you hear in this passage in 11 through 15? Whose voice do you hear besides Moses? How about some modern examples? The infertility is just about all we can take. This is the fifth wedding I'm going to be in this summer. When is mine? When are the creditors going to stop calling? When am I going to find another job? Why Cancer, God. When is this going to end? How much longer do I have to wait? What is taking so long? Are you even out there? Are you even paying attention? And we are, when we are open and honest with God, we have a heart-to-heart -heart with Him, we begin to see His heart for us. Look at God's response while we're in the waiting room. Look at verse 17, actually verse 16. The first thing is this, provision. He gives us provision. Verse 16, Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there, key, with you. With you. Listen, Moses, you are not all alone. You are not all alone. Verse 17, And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them, 
and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. Verse 18, and, and say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying in a whiny voice, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. Bottom line, God understands what's going on right now in your life. And He longs to provide for you. He longs to provide for you. And if you will begin to lean in, you'll begin to lean into Him and you'll begin to trust Him. But, there's also another response that God has. And He has to all of us. To all of His children. Discipline. Discipline. Verse 20. When we're in total meltdown mode, we begin to make a very dangerous decision. When you're in complete meltdown mode, we begin to make very dangerous decisions. So, for example, if you're at the doctor or the dentist office waiting, and then someone comes in after you, and they get in first, right? You're like, wait a minute. Or you're at the restaurant and they give you those little pager things, the buzz, the things that you got, you know, and, 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 and their pager lights up and yours never does. And so you bang on it and then you go up there and you go up. And this has never happened to you, just maybe to me. And so you go up to the Cheddar's girl and you go, hey, uh, I think our thing is broken. She's like, no, it's doing fine. Uh, we'll page you in a minute. But we begin to take matters in our own hands, don't we? I mean, we, we begin to, you know, we, we, get, we feel overlooked, we feel forgotten, but we've never been so frustrated at the doctor's office that we kick down the door and we begin to operate on ourselves. But we do that all the time with God, don't we? We do that all the time with God. We aren't very patient with Him at all. And as one of those great philosophers, Tom Petty and his group of heartbreakers says, waiting is, waiting is the hardest part. So, great group, great song, totally wrong when it comes to God. God is making us wait. He is forcing us to wait. Why? To grow us and to build our faith. When we take matters into our own hands and we doubt God, He disciplines us. Look at verse 19. This is, this is amazing. This is in the Bible, by the way. I don't know if you've read this before, but this is pretty intense. You shall not eat just one day or two days or five days or ten days or twenty days. This is God talking. Hello. But a whole month until it comes out at your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you. Why? Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you. 
and have wept before him, saying, Why did we come out of Egypt? But Moses said, The people among whom I am number, 600,000 on foot, and you have said, I will give them meat, and they will eat a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them, and be enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them, and be enough for them? Verse 23, And the Lord said to Moses, Is the Lord's hand shortened? Is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. Moses, when are you going to begin to trust me? When are you going to start trusting me? So there's discipline in a waiting room. The last thing that's present in a waiting room is transformation. Transformation. If and only if we trust Him. If and only if we trust Him. Let me ask you a question. Because we have the luxury of history. Because we know that eventually the people grew in their faith and God brought them out to the promised land, right? We know that. But, according to history, did God forget about these people in the desert? No. According to history, did God do exactly what He said He would do? Yes. When we look back on this story through the lens of history, we see a completely different perspective rise up. God did not forget them. He was preparing them for what He was going to do through them. Story after story in the Scriptures is that God has not forgotten you, but He is preparing you through this season of waiting. God wants to transform you while you are in this season of waiting. So what does this mean? What this means is that you can stand on a foundation for those that wait on the Lord, right? God never forgets His people. He has never ever before forgotten His people. And He's not going to start with you. I think that's worth saying again, right? God never forgets His people. He has never ever before forgotten His people. And He is not going to start with you. The reason why God allows waiting in our lives because He's in the process of transforming you. Transforming me. And He was transforming them. In that season of waiting, God is transforming you and growing you and teaching you how to trust Him in all things. When you see this principle and you embrace this biblical perspective, stand up straighter. Right? We find purpose. We find our footing. And we gain faith and trust in God. We begin to embrace this time in the waiting room as a positive time of preparation, of growth, and transformation. I'm not sure what part of the process of waiting you are in today. I don't know. But I do know for sure 
that God is not caught off guard by your struggle. Do you have questions? He's not afraid of your questions. He's not wringing His hands going, oh my goodness, how's this going to play out? I know for sure that God's not caught off guard by your struggle. And the God of the universe is praying for you right now. As we have our time of invitation here in just a second, if you guys want to go ahead, I don't know how that works. Does, do we have an invitation time? Okay, come on up. Come on up. As they come up, I want us to really lean into this promise from God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27 says this. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is, discarded, is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But get this, verse 31 of Isaiah chapter 40. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagle, eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your Word that, that speaks to us. And Lord, I pray for each and every person in this room, or maybe even online, Lord, that they may have something that they're going through. It, it, it is a struggle there, there, it's, it, maybe it's the waiting room of doubt. Maybe it's the waiting room of questioning your character, God. Lord, I pray that you, would, that you would speak and that you would continue to provide, that you would provide answers that, that may need to come. But even if the answers aren't there, Lord, will you help us to learn how to lean in and to trust you? to trust you in the way that we should go. Lord, be with Russell and his family as they are traveling and, and having a well-needed vacation. I'm thankful for the, our friendship. I'm thankful for his, uh, his brotherhood over the years. We've, we've seen each other in many, many waiting rooms. And Lord, I'm thankful that you have brought us to the other side of that many times. And Lord, we know that you're going to continue to do that. Be with each and every person here in this room. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.